space. The final frontier. Well, okay, not, not really. All right, uh, take two, take two. Here in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek. Spanning the quadrants, the best thing since the neutral zone. Back again, oh my goodness, brace yourself for the Diamond Jubilee, uh, that is the 75th uh, episode of uh, Code 47 here on the Secret Friends Unite Podcasting Network. I am Charlie Carden, your Trek Lord of West Michigan, captain of the USS Grand Petoskey here in Grand Rapids, joined by not only my regular co-host, Peter. Peter, say hello. Hey, everybody. And the re the triumphant return for a portion of the show that would be Katie Q, who uh, could cannot resist talking about Strange New World. So we're going to do a little experiment here. Katie's going to be with us in the beginning. She's going to depart, and then Peter and I will go on to talk about a Star Trek program that is not Katie's favorite. So we're not going <laughs> to drag her through the mud for that. But Katie, welcome back. Yes, glad to be here. For anybody who's hoping for a break from me, you can thank Charlie because after episode seven, he was like, "Do you want to come back on? Do you, Katie? Katie, can you come back on? Katie, wanna, Katie wanna, what oh, do you want to oh, do?" Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's true. I am, I am, I am, I am inevitable, just like Thanos. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, um, let's see here. Yeah, let's uh, let's get this party started. Um, I was just glancing at my own thing because it was giving me a warning. Peter, Peter, speak. No. Okay. <laughs> no, it's just I got a weird window at the bottom, so let's just hope that that's not an issue. But everybody can hear me, and I can yeah. hear everybody. Ooh, yeah, I'm so glad. Good. I'm so glad that everybody got to listen to whatever that was. So anyway, uh, no new news to talk about. The news that I'm really waiting for uh, is what's going to follow Strange Two Worlds. We have two episodes left. We're talking about episodes lower seven and eight. Lower decks. Lower, lower decks. Lower 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 <laughs> I have a sneaking suspicion. It's at least possible that. Katie might, if she enjoys this experiment, join <laughs> us in the future to do this short bit before she comes back full force once we get back. But you Lower know, Decks is back? Yeah. 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 You think I'm, I'm not going to be able to shut up about Lower Decks. All right. Well, <laughs> then you guys can count it to having a, a half a Katie. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, in respect for Katie's time, because she does have another time commitment, we're going to launch right into talking about... Uh, episode seven of Strange New Worlds, uh, season one, The Serene Squall. Katie, you go right ahead. Guest of right. honor. Well, on a dangerous humanitarian mission, the crew of the USS Enterprise stumbles into a harrowing game of leverage with the Quadrant's deadliest space pirates. Oh, we got a sweet villain in this bad boy. I love it. It was Katie, after watching this episode, you were like, oh my God, I got to talk about blah, 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 blah. And then that's why you're there. So why don't you go first? Um, well, it was just... Absolutely phenomenal. I loved everything about it. Um, Captain Angel is my new favorite villain, I think, of the Star Trek yes. world. I cannot wait to see more of them. Um, as soon as Angel came back on this, came on the scene, and I think that I don't remember what they were calling themselves before that. It was like uh, Aspen. Aspen, Dr. Aspen, yeah. Um, well, I immediately was like, hey, check out this awesome, like, non-binary character just casually in the mix. I love this. And I messaged Charlie back and forth, like, live responding to it because he had immediately said, you need to watch it as soon as you tell me what you think. <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, 
they showed up in like that weird bodysuit. I was like, that's villain. That's villain right there. That's- <laughs> Bad guys nobody- always wear black. <laughs> yes. I'm like, nobody can look that good in that weird of a bodysuit and not be a villain. <laughs> oh my God. I know. And it was, you know, maybe I wasn't strictly paying attention, but yeah, there was way too much of a vibe like, ooh, you know, that there yeah. was going to be some, some, some nefarious doings transpiring. Yes. So and I really loved how um, the actress, Jessica, she did a really great job of playing like the character straight at first. And then like, there was that total switch of personality when she revealed that she was Captain Angel. Yeah. Um, So I thought she did a phenomenal job playing that. um, And I really loved how Captain Angel really played Spock against himself because the entire time he's like, Oh, you know, Vulcan's no emotion, no emotion. And Captain Angel is kind of like playing with that and being like, okay, well, you know, I've been manipulating your emotions this entire time. Like you want to sit there and say logic above all, that's not the case. Right. No, I get Peter. What do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, it was a good episode. (laughs) I, I saw Captain Angel coming from like 500 miles away too. I I must've been Um, the only one. I don't know if I, I don't know. We watched the show so early. Maybe I just really wasn't like, hopping and processing, but I was, I was enjoying the character from the jump. But yeah, what, maybe it's my long storied history of, I, I think manipul- for me, it's just cause like you know, manipul- we're bringing in a character and we're going into like this. Oh, it's an unknown situation. It's like, uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh huh. All right. Um, okay. Ooh, that's a good name for the episode. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. I mean, the, the, <laughs> like when they, when they got over to the ship and you see like, Taser face because I don't think we learned his name, <laughs> but um, I guess like oh. this guy is too stupid to be in charge, so he's clearly not it. Um, so then it was it kind of pointed back to her, but oh um, yeah, well and that was we had a just really the entire episode because you had that kind of play away with Pike getting captured with half of the crew and they're on the um, serene squall and they're doing this whole ploy to create a mutiny. And again, just Captain Pike, phenomenal acting and just really charismatic on screen. All of this, like, even when he's like, oh, you guys actually eat this stuff? It's just a lot of little, like, playful banter back and forth. And really, oh. both episodes were kind of a, a, a replay on a trope, like you were saying, Peter. Star Trek's known for just being, like, inserting random character into an episode that everybody seems fine with. And then, oh, my gosh, it's a villain. Yeah, but I never saw it coming, like me, I guess. Really, really well. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was it was pretty well constructed. There were a few things that I thought were a little like out there in terms of just like why. Um, mainly the the reveal at the end of like, oh yeah, I'm here because I'm trying to get Cyvok out of the slammer. Yeah, right. It, it right. felt to me more like it was like, hey, remember how you fans were bitching about how Burnham was suddenly Spock's sibling? Here's Spock's yeah. other sibling that you're bitching that we weren't talking about. They had so many secrets in the house, the, in the house of Sarek. Um, and, you know, the, 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 the nitpickery around that is like, well, Gene Redberry himself didn't really acknowledge Star Trek V, which came out not long before he passed away. But I'm like, well, it, the other rule is that if it's on screen, it's canon. So he's canon. He had the one shot. People want to bitch about it. Um, but by having Michael Burnham as his adoptive sister, we've obviously expanded on his methodology. They built in some pretty firm. Well, this is why he never talks about that, because under penalty of death, he can't talk about any of it. So um, odds on seeing Captain Angel and what the hell was his cyborg's name? Xerxes Xerx- 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 or something? Yes. 
Yeah, well, oh my God. You know, maybe I should take notes and not be so clueless. Um, but anyway, well, that's I, what you have Peter for. I see why you have. This is what I'm good at. This is why I nitpick Star Trek. I gotcha. Well, you know, and that's why the, the three of us are kind of a dyad in the force. Whoops, wrong uh, genre. Sorry. <laughs> is that Katie's? Katie's got the passion. She's got the emotion. Peter is the nitpicker, the logical, and then I'm kind of the ringmaster in the middle. So this might actually well, end you up got out Spock, well. Bones, and McCoy. I'm, oh uh, my I said God. that again. It's Spock, Bones, and Kirk. I'm sorry. I said McCoy twice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So now it's McCoy cloned himself. It's, it's delightful. I absolutely love it. That's why he hates um, transporters. I love it. Yes, I'm with you. Captain Angel, definitely my new favorite Star Trek villain. She just chews on the scenery oh, the whole long, live long day. I was totally in love with her. Like, oh, my God. Whoa. That outfit. Damn. I liked but, her yeah. better when she made her switch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and just, yeah, she had a, a real... Uh, playfulness on screen and then also there was that you know we're, and we're not even talking about the big thing of like the kind of weird love triangle that's going on between to bring spock oh and chapel and i'm saying triangle because we you know it's been revealed that chapel has had you know uh, is on is queer in some way shape or form and i right. honestly think she might be a little into print too i'm not gonna throw that out there well, i'm not gonna is, i'm not gonna throw that away <laughs> who, isn't, who isn't for the love of god my goodness right? but in all fairness you know for the sake of continuity to needs needs and peter will back me up here with it to kind of needs to go away before too mm-hmm. much time goes by because again we don't see her again until tos uh, when it's, you know, when at the beginning of season two and they have the amok time with the the the, uh, the Lurpas and the big fight and everything. And it's, which they, it's which revealed. they did as dream sequences, which is cool. Which they did as a dream. But, yeah. but nobody's really supposed to know about her. But the people who do know about her are not featured prominently in that episode. Um, they, don't, they don't come face to face. Like in that episode of Dupring and Chapel came face to face in the TOS episode, they would know each other. Um, but Spock and McCoy are obviously not on Strange New Worlds and that's why they don't. But they're kind of, it's kind of like with Kenobi and the fact that I really don't want a second season because it's like they've done enough that if they do more, it's just going to become messy. But here, this is me bleeding Star Wars into my Star Trek show, which I Mark, Mark will <laughs> say us for doing yeah, that. Though it's, it's really bad to do that. Roddenberry and Lucas got along just fine. There's no issue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly correct. All right. Well, let's move on for the sake of time. Uh, getting into Episode Eight, the Elysian Kingdom. Peter, that one's all you. You go first. Read it and go first, please. So, the Elysian Kingdom. The Enterprise becomes stuck in a nebula that is home to an alien consciousness. Oops, spoilers. That traps the crew <laughs> in a fairy tale. They they toss that out right in the beginning. You don't toss right. out the twist. <laughs> you don't toss out the twist in the synopsis. You can do that on Memory Alpha because you're assuming that somebody has read it. But yeah, exactly. Somebody has read it and they're just going there for, you know, nitpicky details like us nerds. So, um, so anyway, Peter, what did you think? Um, I thought this episode was a lot of fun. The actors were obviously having a hoot, a half, and more. Right. <laughs> so, no, it was awesome. Like, Anson Mount was just he was having a ball and you could oh, tell. Yeah. And the, the guys that I was watching it, we were sitting there going like, I'm not sure who's having more fun Anson Mount or I forget her name, but the actress who's playing Lon. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's oh, like, my- who's having more fun? I'm not yeah. sure. Cause they were just like, like it was so fun to watch. Cause it was like, it's like so stupid, but mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it was just great. I wasn't the biggest fan of the conclusion, but I did enjoy basically the rest of the whole, cause it was just silly. And I like silly. It's like, we want to do a holodeck episode without the holodeck. Here's our solution. Because, yeah, because they don't have one. And again, it puts together, 
two TNG tropes, the holodeck episode plus the creature in the in a cloud. Uh, nebula, yeah. which they did very early in TNG with the where silence has lease, I yep. think was the Yeah, no 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 no. You're thinking no no, that is where silence is least. I was thinking of the one early in season one where the creature comes in from the cloud and it goes from person to person. Yeah. Um I'm drawing like Lonely among things. Katie, he's got me. He's got me. <laughs> I can't even keep up with this guy. I also was just watching TNG season one because yeah. I'm a masochist. Well, you know, yeah, TNG season one is it's it is such a, a labor of love um, because you can be like, that's great. But then there's the episode with the Edo, the people who walk around having sex at the drop of a hat. Uh, but they have the one I, rule that Wesley can't step on the yeah, flowers. I, I was watch, I watched that episode like last week and I realized I have never watched this episode all the way through before. And now I know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah season, season one of TNG came out when I was in middle school. So talk about a lot of like. I don't really understand what's going on here because I'm 11 and I'm a little nerd boy and why they run around doing this and that. But, <laughs> but, we, but we all love Wesley because he was us, right? But anyway, back to talk about the episode. Um, Katie, thoughts? Um, I, again, I really loved the episode. I could, again, tell the actors were having a lot, a lot of fun. It was the first time where I was watching something and I was like, I really want to read a behind the scenes or like hear about their experiences doing this episode because like... Um, Chong's character, the princess, was so different from La'an. I would love to know how she felt playing that character and, like, right. what, you know. And even, you know, like you're saying, like, Mount's character, while he was doing that, so different from Pike. And it was so much fun to just see them go back and forth and to see the banter and the play. And I remember there, like, Chong was so into character at one point. She's sitting there with a princess with that little dog, and she's just in the background. And that dog's like licking her face and licking her neck, and she's just standing there, just happy as all get out. That that dog was not a professional actor. I mean, let's get it together. It was quite possibly her dog. That is a behind the scenes thing we need to know. Yeah. So I demanded behind the scenes. um, Just I want to know all of the things, all of the stuff they were doing, and. Well, I didn't exactly love the ending. I was really hoping, like actually earlier in that episode, I had mentioned when I was watching it with my spouse about how excited I was for him to actually heal his daughter, Mm -hmm. the doctor to heal his daughter, and for us to be able to see her on the crew permanently, or at least have more episodes with her. And then it was like, oh no, we're going to do that Star Trek thing of like, just give you a MacGuffin and it fixes everything and then like problem solved. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's, I'm with you on that one. Yeah, and I will say the one thing that I enjoyed because this is kind of the monster of the week type of setup that is more traditional with like TOS and start and, you know, TNG, usually it would have been, we're introducing that he has a daughter and that she has a problem. And then we're going to have this thing happen. And then by the end of the episode, everything is gone and everything is fixed. So you don't really get any attachment to them. Mm -hmm. So I did at least like that there was some emotional attachment there and that they had played it out through episodes, even though, like the character development is continuing, even if the actual problems aren't, if that makes sense. I know. I absolutely agree with that. And, and again, as someone who has lost a child, that part kind of spoke to me. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. You know, because I thought, you know, he he really had to deal with the fact that it was kind of the two ways. My, my son, my son, Parker, who passed away two years ago, he was very sick his whole life. And I like to think of the fact that in his passing, he's now free of pain. And it was kind of the same thing mm-hmm. within this episode. Um, and now Mabenga is left to discover what life is beyond, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of what my life is like. So I, I, I had some personal attachment to kind of that ending that yes, while it's not like, Hey, it's not a Star Trek. You're like, Hey, we fixed the problem. And like you said, mm-hmm. the McGuffin fixed it and everything's perfect. And now she's part of the show or whatever. 
this was a little slice of life that yes, sometimes do sometimes things do resolve themselves, but in a way that obviously is is not optimal, and you have to learn how to right. go on and live your life in in other ways. So that that spoke to me in in a way that is hopefully very unique to most people. Hopefully, most people never have to deal with that kind of thing because it's. Yeah. It's unthinkable. So, um, so that part of it kind of touched me. I enjoyed, you know, the fun bits of the episode. But yeah, it's it's quite a pendulum swing from the fun and wacky of the um, of the crew, and yeah, the chewing the scenery and Captain Pike being the weasel, you know. Ran, and, and random side note: I recognized the swords they were using. It was oh, <laughs> of course you did. Yeah. Well, do, do you maybe do a little BTS and and uh, tell us about that over on Twitter at Secret Friends. <laughs> by the way. So, well, cool. Final thoughts before we bid Katie adieu. Katie, I kept it under 20 minutes just for you. You did. Thank you. I say, I did want to mention, I absolutely loved the like Afro Renaissance mix that they had going on with Mbinga's and his daughter's outfits. Like I really, they had just really great costuming in this episode. It was absolutely phenomenal. Awesome. Good deal. Well, cool. All right. Well, next episode, and Katie, I really hope you choose to come back. We're going to be (laughs) wrapping up season one with episodes nine and ten. But with that, we will bid Katie adieu. Uh, We will take not even a real break because I'm going to stop and I'm going to pause recording and start again. And then we will um, be talking about Enterprise, which Katie wouldn't do if you held a gun to her head. No, I wouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Katie, we will catch you next time. Thank you for being on. All right. All right. Hopefully this experiment worked because we're back after that brief pause. Thanks again to Katie for being on. We love working with her and she has uh, always, I think, a great perspective. But now we're going to talk about a show that she wouldn't touch with the 10-foot pole. That's right, Star Trek Enterprise. Season 2, Part 2. Peter, sing it to me. It's been a long road getting from there to here. Ooh, that is terrific. All right, we're jumping into six episodes of season two, uh, where, in my opinion, as an overview, we fit into a nice, easy layer of, yeah, I skipped that one. But with that being said, uh, we'll kick it off with episode eight of the season. That would be The Communicator, uh, written by James... Un, I would say directed. By. Was, yeah, directed. By, I would say, what the hell is the unknown? Directed by James Cotner. Never heard of him. Uh, story by Berman and Braga. So it's you know the main dudes uh, from November of two thousand and two. Uh, after an away mission, Lieutenant Reed discovers that his communicator is lost on a pre-war planet. He and Archer are captured, trying to retrieve it. So. Stolen plot line, stolen from a a line of dialogue, a throwaway line at the end of a very classic episode of TOS, which would be a piece of the action. McCoy's back, they're back on the ship after being on the gangster planet, which was the the Ioceans, the very imitative species, where McCoy says, well, I think I left my communicator behind this box. Like, well, they could take it apart and figure out how it works. It's actually sort of referenced again in Strange New Worlds episode one. Oh, oh! Not not directly. Like the, you don't see a piece of text sitting on a table, but they're oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, imitating the, whole, the Enterprise and everything. The at whole the, the, the whole plot line of that. So anyway, this is a whole episode based off of that, and yeah. I myself found it to be incredibly forgettable. I don't know. Like I said, it just was very much like we got to get this thing and it should be easy when we find the thing. And then we didn't find the thing easily. And then now we get captured or whatever. And it's a whole scenario. I don't know, man. It just it just it just felt very run of the mill to me. It kind of is. But I like this episode. 
um, mostly because of how it begins of like, oh no, I forgot my communication. And then they're digging, digging through everything. And I just find right. that whole search just hysterical. Space, they're losing empty, their minds. Like he's emptying out the, spa- the, the space waste the trash, basket. The trash can. But that I, I liked, al- yeah. also really, really liked how they did, um, how they're um, blending in with um, the society where they have like prosthetic pieces on their foreheads and makeup. Yeah, right. Because it makes a lot yeah. more. Yeah, and they just ripped a little piece of rubber off his face. Like, right. I really enjoyed that because it showed, like, this is how you would do it. And, yes, it's a wink and a nod to how they're actually doing it in the show. <laughs> right. But, like, it was like, well, our makeup looks really good and it can fool you on TV. So, yeah, it can fool somebody in real life. Um, and so I I enjoyed that part. And I just also enjoyed, like, just this, the silliness of, like, we did an x-ray and they have organs that we don't know what they do. And like, Right. I just enjoyed, because of all the details I find this episode enjoyable. It's not like, oh my gosh, this story blows me away. It's not great, but right. I enjoy all the details in it. So. Yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. So, all right, well, moving. I'm so go ahead, please. I was just gonna say, and that's something that like Berman and Braga tend to do pretty well. Is like just the, the story might not always be great, but the details are in there. Ah, uh, the devil is in the details of a terrible story. <laughs> Ooh, that could be an episode title. All right, well, moving on. Next one's all you. All right. Singularity, uh, directed by Patrick Norris, written by Chris Black, aired in November 20th of 02. The Enterprise charts a course through a trinary star system to investigate a black hole, and the crew find themselves suffering from a condition similar to OCD. Now, on this one, I didn't really care for this one that much. (laughs) Um, I enjoyed parts of it. Were not sufficient details. Um, yeah. yeah, it just it just seems dumb, you know. Because again, you've got your uh, space anomaly of the week. Um, yeah, and I, there there were there were lots of gags that I liked. Like I yeah. like in the end where it's like, "What'd you do to my chair?" I lowered it by a centimeter. That's uh-huh. it. Like ah, that's funny. that was exactly. funny. And then but, I do like how they like, they introduce read alert. What else? <laughs> like I enjoyed oh. that. And I enjoyed the the whole bit with Archer getting the ship out of the system at the very end. But the rest of it was just it was a bit more grading of just like everyone's freaking out about one thing. Right. It's like, oh yeah. So <laughs> Hoshi's trying to make this soup and it's gonna be the end of the world if she can't make this soup right. It's like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. And then Flox is trying to murder Travis. Yeah, exactly. Well, it'll be fine after I take some brain tissue or whatever. Yeah, it's just like, it's a, it's a little extreme. And I guess the overall perspective of really all these episodes is like, well, they're running into this thing for the first time and it's different. Yeah. It's like experiencing it for the first time. But yeah, there's uh, nothing wrong with it. It's just I don't right. Know. But even, you know, as as an audience, as a dedicated audience that has watched Star Trek for low this many years, and, you know, if we're coming off of, again, the dynasty of, you know, from 87, 1987 to 2005, Star Trek was always on the air, and you had a lot of those same recurring lay motifs and, and tropes and different stuff that this is where I think Enterprise really started to flag, and, and maybe why they didn't make it is that they just, there were just no great new ideas left by the time we got here, um, which I think, I think was... Yeah, I don't know. I think that, like, by the time they hit season four, they had found a wellspring of new ideas. Correct. Yes, no, and, I agree, and I love season four. I can't wait till we get there to talk about it, because it'll be, it'll be thumbs up all the way, but right now... Except for one. One notable exception. 
that I, episode that shall not be named because it doesn't exist. Oh yes, it was. <laughs> yes, it was a hot, it was it was a program that was therefore deleted. So anyway, moving on um, in our tour of tropes, tour of tropes. Oh God, there's a new name of the episode. Fairly uh, accurate, actually. Tour of Even tropes based on the Strange New Worlds episodes we're talking oh, about. You're absolutely right. Except for the Strange New Worlds episodes, I think they kind of got it right. So uh, tour of tropes. Moving on to episode ten of the season, Vanishing Point, directed by David Strainton. Uh, again, uh, Berman and Braga uh, from November of 2002. Uh, after her first trip through the transporter, Hoshi finds herself becoming incorporeal with the crew believing she has perished. Okay, transporter accident or transporter phobia, Barkley in the realm of fear. You're also thinking yeah. about Roe and Jordy from the episode... I'm drawing a blank on the with the Romulans end of season five. Yeah, I know which episode. I just can't remember the title yeah. off the top of my head. I, you'd be so good at that stuff. But this is you, you just you slam the tropes together and you got nonsense. You knew that it wasn't really happening. Yeah. It I, seemed dumb. The, you know, you knew I that she was better get killed off. Okay, but, but yeah, I, again, some of it has to do with details. Um, so I really liked when she did Morse code with the interrupting the plasma flow mm-hmm. to get Archer's attention. Um, but I mean, and, and I just enjoyed that they were delving into a little bit about how the transporter can be dangerous. Yeah. It ended up being basically all in her head, but we Mm -hmm. kept getting talked about like in previous shows, we, we all heard all this stuff about how the transporters were dangerous and in enterprise it's like, Oh yeah. He got like a couple rocks attached to his face, but you know, it didn't kill him. Oh yeah. The guy got beamed up. He had some sticks and stuff and whatever. Yeah. Yeah, He's not dead. And so we're like, okay, I mean, it's not like precise, but it's not like fatal. Well, yeah. And in an emergency, right. It's like, well, I got to beam him out because they're going to get, you know, hit by a rock or whatever. So yeah, exactly. So like, so for that reason alone, I find this, like, it's not something that I'm going to go and watch on a regular basis. Um, Even though like some of Hoshi's existential crisis, I think was actually pretty well written. Um, But it's not like I'm going to go watch this again, but it has some great Exactly. So um, I tilted up a little bit more getting into the next episode. So go ahead. I, this one I liked a little bit more, but you go ahead. Yeah. Uh, the next episode is Precious Cargo, uh, directed by David Livingston. Story again by Berman and Braga, um, aired on December 11th of 02. While answering a distress call, Commander Tucker is kidnapped along with a demanding alien princess Ooh, yes this was uh, I, I dug this i dug it and the the guest star the uh princess uh kat uh, kate i have the thing open kate katamika or whatever it is is uh fucho network host uh, uh padma lishkimi who I, I i remember seeing in this now she she hosts some show or whatever i know a lot, lot of great details look it up um, hey, i like behind the scenes stuff it's great there you go. Yes. No, I just remember because this was before she was famous. She was on this. Um, and this kind of played on the spoiled princess trope, which we got in, God, in TOS and like, like Elana Elan Troyes. Yeah. yeah, the Dolman, who actually got a nod in TNG when Scotty comes back. He talked about, you know, he talked about her. So there was that reference. But she was insufferable, but not as insufferable, certainly as um, actress. Uh, I think Frances Nyan was her name who played the uh, see, see, see things I sometimes remember uh, was in that episode. But, you know, they had a little romp, a little bit of an adventure. And she was uh, from... Uh, uh, Creo. So she was 
the same that was a, another planet, which later ended up being conquered by the Klingons, became a colony. But it was the episode The uh, Perfect Mate from TNG Season 5, yeah. where we first saw Patrick Stewart on screen with uh, Famica Johnson, who they later went on to do the X-Men films together. So love that episode. Um, but her character was not not an, an empath or an, an, I was going to say in the last of uh uh, meta, meta, metamorph was that the, was was that the the stripe that she was in that episode? In, uh, the T- Alana Troy or the TNG one? The TNG one. I think that was it. But anyway, she, she was yeah, she, she was this she was this empathic metamorph who could you know uh, sense the needs of another person and become that for them. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, but at any rate, yeah, that's not what was going on here. But it was the same. This was a royal princess, and they had to escape in an escape pod and land on this planet and still find a way to escape. So you know, I like it. You know, you're kind of setting that you know. Trip is the cowboy because, you know, uh, you know, obviously Archer, while he's a bit of a cowboy and I described like when I watched the first episode of the show, my dad had seen it and said, yeah, the new captain's kind of a cowboy. But, you know, Trip is the one who gets to get into kind of some of the wacky adventures. You know, he's got this one. He's got the other one a couple of episodes from now uh, or me. God, did we talk about it last time? No, it was. No, it was the last one that we're going to talk about here where he gets, you know, stranded with an alien, blah, blah. So he's the one who gets to do shit. Yeah. So it's not like on TOS where it's like Kirk, Spock, and McCoy and, and Kirk is the focus. By this point, at least in the storytelling, we're sharing it around a little bit. So mm-hmm. he gets, you know, other members of, of the cast get to have episodes about them and, yeah. and get to have I think but Enterprise yeah. is one of the ones that does this a lot better than most shows where it, it I think, plays into the ensemble bit more. Yeah, I would I would say of the classic series, they probably do that best, I think, with the exception of Travis. And they try to throw him a bone in, in the last season and it just really falls flat, in my opinion. Yeah, there's but, like in episode in season three, they like do a few things with him and they did a few right. things in season two, I think, with his family. Right. But it's not that much. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Correct. And all anyway, around space boomerness, it's like he's got yeah, other exactly. other things that you could. Like, no, yeah, he's, he's not, yeah, he's not. He's not one dimensional. He's not you know Billy Zane in Titanic. That's how I always describe somebody as being one dimensional. Um, but I like this episode. It was fun, and again, you know, it, it didn't have any huge significance to things as they go on. But again, we're still we're living in the era of of episodic television where you can have a, an adventure of the week and alien of the week. And I thought this was pretty cool. And it was the good. space pod that never goes away for the rest of the show. Really? It's just, that, that, this, con- that control system with the two little knobs. Like, yeah, uh, I was gonna say, yeah. It comes back so many times. They just, they just put it back in a drawer so they can get it. this prop for another yeah. episode. But it, it, oh, I enjoyed this episode. Yeah. So. Yeah. Me too. So uh, moving on episode 12, that one's episode here. 12, the catwalk. Uh, um, the catwalk. <laughs> it's too bad that you didn't have like somebody doing their thing down the center. <laughs> right. Um, the catwalk. Um, written, uh, directed by Mar- Mike Vihar, written by Mike Sussman and Phyllis Strong, aired December 18 of 02. The Enterprise crew takes refuge inside one of the warp nacelles to avoid an inescapable radiation belt. Um, this one's fun. I quite liked it partially because of all the jokes of having to be in uh, close quarters with each other that I just find right. hysterical having done that a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the, the whole bit where it's like, Oh, we have rebels that are hiding. And so the ship gets, you know, taken over a, like, okay, that, that works. Um, but the, the fact that they were able to like reroute everything into the in nacelle and, and then that, th- that, whole extra command structure and everything that all comes back up 
in different episodes later on. So it's like yeah. this bit of world building that just seems to be a little toss away. It keeps coming back up, which I quite enjoy. But and yeah, and, and that's not bad. I mean, again, you know, on our tour of tropes, this one fits right in with I feel like they did this twice on Voyager where, you know, oh, everybody's got to go into refuge and one person has to run the ship. And I think they even do that. They do this again in Enterprise with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they uh, did it like what I feel like two or three times, like, oh, seven is alone on the ship or the doctor yeah, has did. to run the blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, yeah. yeah it's everybody. It locks a little yeah, bit. Yeah, there you go. Where he so, hallucinates to Paul. Yeah. Oh, God, yes. And, you know, so, yeah, I mean, if a ship, this ship has 83 crew member, but 83 crew members, but Voyager has 150. But no, when it's all right down to it, then you really one person can run it. So, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I do. I do like the, you know, doing right and the rebels and this and that. But again, I just don't really. It's like we're, we're going through some of these. And it's like the communicator when I was like. I don't even remember. I, I'm not even really paying attention while this is on because I know I've seen it, but it was it was that forgettable back in 2002. Yeah. Oh, you know, so it's like we, we've got a tough bit because the first part of the season had some really great episodes. This just kind of feels like it's the it's like the middle part of a marathon. Not that I've ever run a marathon, but I have run you know five k's. Mm-hmm. I did cross country when I was in high school, or even I like to bike. I did not competitively, but you get to that middle part where you're like you got a burst of energy at the beginning. You're hanging on in the middle, and then it's a burst of energy at the end because you're ready to be done. And I just feel like we're we're treading right now. You know what I mean? Because we're we're at episode thirteen of twenty six is the next one uh, that we're going to talk about. And um, yeah, I just don't feel like we're really blowing it up. But um, yeah. episode thirteen is Dawn, directed by Rose Roxanne Dawson, uh, Belana yeah. Torres from Voyager, and uh, I per- potentially her directorial debut on this show, written by John. Shiban, who is not a staffer to my knowledge, and you're going to find out that he's a fan of a certain film from the 1980s that was a science fiction movie. Uh, first episode to air in uh, 2003, January of that year. Again, boy, Tucker is Tucker is uh, really lightening up in this se- this uh, segment of our recording. So this one's about him too. Tucker is fired upon by an Arconian ship, and then is stranded on a planet with his attacker. Well, guess what? In 1985, Peter, I'm sure before you were born, there was a movie that I saw in the movie theater called Enemy Mine that starred Dennis Quaid, who is the father of Jack Quaid, who is Boimler from Lower Decks, and Louis Gossett Jr. Louis Gossett Jr. was the enemy. Uh, They were from, you know, two sides of a warring uh, conflict. They were in a firefight in space. They both crashed on a planet, and they were stranded with no hope to be rescued, and eventually had to come to rely on each other, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. It's this episode exactly. Um, so I was Jordy did this in TNG with a Robin. And Jordy did this, yeah, exactly. Jordy in the episode uh, called, uh, the enemy. enemy, the enemy. Yes, exactly. So it was, yeah, it was the same kind of thing. They had to collaborate together, and so uh, I'm not going to say they did it right, they did it wrong. It's just, it's just been done. You know what I mean? So it just didn't. Yeah, like I said, you know, I, I this gets discussed a lot by by Todd and I over on the main show. Is uh, in great example, April and I are watching rewatching Lost right now, and uh, we both kind of sort of saw a lot of the show back when it, it aired and it was on from 04 to 2010. Um, yep. but it's like we didn't see all of it, but we're, we're in the middle of almost in the middle of season two, and even in watching season one, there's 25 episodes, and by today's standards, where you tune into Paramount Plus, Hulu, Netflix. Things are eight to ten episodes, and it's great because they tell 
maybe not always in Picard season two being a terrible example <laughs> in eight to 10 episodes, they can tell something that there's a lot less filler and things can potentially be more concise. And to me, if this is a 26 episode season, because again, they air between September and May and there are little breaks here and there and they have sweeps week where you have big, bold, exciting episodes or whatever it is. Um, this just, this felt like the, 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 the wheel of, you know, the wheel of filler, this whole thing, which could be another name of the episode. Peter, you choose. Do you like Tour of Tropes or Wheel of Filler? I like Tour of Tropes because okay, of the, uh, the alliteration. Yes, tour, yes, very much so. But yeah, this was just like, I love that movie. Going back to talking about Enemy Mine in 1985, I was nine years old. It was very exciting. And to watch it today, the effects don't hold up, but the story does. Yeah. But I just, I just don't, I, it's just not something I need to see trotted out time and again. And I feel like that's what we were getting in this one. But anyway, yeah. I'm rambling. What did you think about this episode? I I thought this episode was fine. It wasn't like an amazing one. It was another one where like the universal translator's broken. And so then you right. figure it out, but it's with Tucker instead of Hoshi. So he actually has right. to fumble through. Right. I actually prefer to see that than like how they're doing it in strange new worlds where they like, Hey, let's turn Uhura into Hoshi. And now she can speak every language. It's like, right. It's like, I do like that where it's like, uh, let, let's add a little bit of comedy to the, I can't right. understand you because Everyone makes fun of Star Trek for all the aliens speak English. Well, they don't, but we just mm -hmm. have the translator. So I like when we see that. I like the moments where they're like, I'm working with you. Now I'm going to kill you. No, now we're going to work together again. Now I'm going to try to fight you. Uh, right. We're too tired. Now we need to work together. Like, there are a lot. I enjoyed a lot of the moments. Right. Um, right. So it was fun. In defense of longer seasons, though, I sure. have the opposite opinion. Okay, uh, I, please. I, I, I think having longer seasons allows for more variety. It means okay. it's more. The, the writers have to try harder, which I think given like Picard season two, I don't know if they can do, <laughs> but, but it does mean that they can bring in some new people to try a little bit more. And it also means like it, if like the main story that you're going for sucks, then <laughs> you can have a break from it. You know, you okay. can do one-off bits like, cause like for instance, like, I really didn't like Picard season one's story. I thought the season two had an interesting idea, poorly executed, but an interesting mm -hmm. idea. But I didn't like season one's story at all. And so mm -hmm. I was waiting for like, you know, I would have been okay with, you know, like a Dawn or a Precious Cargo or something to be like, hey, right. let's, do, let, let's let the actors do something fun, you know, like Kingdom of Elysium. You know, right. do something ridiculous so I can actually, you know, like these characters for a hot second when I'm not right. being irritated by what they're doing. <laughs> It's going to circle back to, oh, okay, throwing shit against the wall and seeing what sticks, you yeah. know, which is what Picard sees. As, as we just continue to, to rip on this, which Katie and I did plenty of uh, back when we were talking about when it was live. So, so did uh, I, just anyway, not on the podcast. Yes, I know. I saw. Well, you know, it, 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 we'll give you that chance, obviously, to continue to do that because, you know what, we're here and we do what we want. But at any rate, that wraps up uh, the show for the week. So when we come back again, we're going to be circling down to talking about the end of uh, Strange New Worlds, uh, uh, episodes 9 and 10. Katie will hopefully be back for that one as well. And we will get into segment three uh, of, um, of talking about... Uh, Enterprise, which I have not got into those episodes yet. So well, without with a banger. So yeah, with my fingers crossed, I'm really hoping uh, they we get into some good stuff. So without further ado, Peter, please take us out. All right. For more information about Starfleet International, please visit Grant Petoskey on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
All right. Well, friends, thank you as always for joining us. Uh, this has been fun to have the the have all of us together. Um, but I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring, and to keep on trekking. Peace and long life. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.